My name is David Cyrus McDonald, and on this episode of Chattel Fixtures PEI Real Estate Podcast, I am joined by Greg Rivard. He is a former city councilor for Charlottetown and a current realtor with Remax Charlottetown Realty. He brings a unique perspective on the future of Charlottetown, and I really think Greg displays a refreshing forthcomingness and transparency in this episode. I certainly learned a lot, and I hope you find it both useful and entertaining. If you have any feedback or want to talk with me personally, you can comment or find my contact at chattelfixtures.com. That's C-H-A-T-T-E-L fixtures.com. Please like and subscribe to help me keep bringing you this information for free. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Greg Rivard. Greg Rivard is a realtor with Remax Charlottetown Realty. He is the outgoing city councilor for Ward 7 in Charlottetown, choosing not to re-offer in the most recent municipal election. He served in this role for eight years starting in 2014 and brings a unique perspective to the Charlottetown real estate market as someone who has been so involved in the community and directly with municipal government. In addition to a variety of other listings, Greg is a listing agent for Sherwood Crossing, a development of new townhouses located on Cody Drive, which is situated between Mount Edward Road and the Towers Mall, or should I say Charlottetown Mall, (laughs) or more up to date, Royalty Crossing. Uh, Not going to lie, those look pretty appealing to me. They look like great units, uh, great homes. Uh, You can check out those uh, spacious, brand new four-bedroom, three-bath townhouses on Realtor.ca, or I'm sure uh, on your website, Greg. Back in 2019, I myself was working on a major new development that didn't end up happening, but I took the opportunity to speak with Greg, and it was so refreshing to talk with someone who had such enthusiasm about Charlottetown's ability to adapt to the future. I remember how focused and helpful Greg was, how willing he was to share ideas, and how he so wanted to make sure more opportunity and success came to the city Greg has a background in accounting, working as an auditor for the Workers' Compensation Board of PEI, as an, uh, and also uh, has executive certificates in local government leadership from Dalhousie University. I think this conversation could be a unique opportunity to ask someone with Greg's unique perspective about where Charlottetown is headed in the future, what he sees for new development happening here over the coming years, discuss some of the different neighborhoods in Charlottetown, and ask Greg what he would say about Charlottetown or PEI in general to someone considering moving here. Um, so welcome, Greg Rivard. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Great intro. Uh, <laughs> you like that? That was awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah there, it was. Uh, it, there is a lot going on there, actually, because your background. You know, you have studied how government works in addition to working in government, and uh, also accounting. And you were at the Workers' Compensation Board for like twenty five years, twenty seven years, twenty seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that to me seems like so. So you you were accountant there, right? Or I, I was an auditor. An yeah. auditor, right. Yeah. 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 So, so what were you doing with that? Well, my role was simply to meet with employers across Prince Edward Island to make sure that, uh, again, what any auditor does is really around compliance. Right. Um, so that was kind of the main job. I was the only one on the island that did that uh, for workers' comp. So I traveled tip to tip. Uh, loved my job because, you know, it wasn't a desk job. Um, it allowed me to get out, meet people, talk to people. It was something that I Oh, wow. You know, that kind of drew me to politics and right. And the same thing that drew me to, to real estate. That's really interesting. Okay. Now I see the through point in that. Yeah, now yeah. I'm starting to understand how that job actually worked. I imagine you to be stationed at a desk, um, kind of auditing as maybe the CRA would going through files and 
requesting documents. No, no suits, no desk. It was, uh, it was jeans and a golf shirt. And, uh, okay. and I, I would meet, uh, you know, employers on site, uh, you know, kind of within their own, uh, comfort of their own, uh, their own offices, own homes, own buildings. So, uh, yeah, I loved it. Cool. Cool. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so, uh, uh, okay. Zoom forward from there. Yeah. You are a city councilor, uh, for ward seven. Um, so you'd have, uh, I feel like a very, uh, there, well, there's only so many counselors for one and there's only one Greg, uh, Rivard. So, uh, your perspective on kind of where things are going in the city, I think would be a really interesting sort of area to focus in on. So I think maybe a, a good starting point is as we're going through this time of, uh, increased interest rates and a lot of there's kind of a little bit more fear coming, maybe a lot more fear coming into the market in a lot of ways. Um, what do you see happening with new development in Charlottetown? Because I know you were following really closely, um, with, um, when we had that incredible housing crunch, which is still persisting to, to, uh, not quite as extreme an extent in that the vacancy rates are no longer zero, I believe. Pretty close though. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. So you, I know you were really following what was happening with new development. So where do you see that going now? Like with new housing starts, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can take it back to 2015, just kind of, just to kind of lead you up to oh, where we yes, are today. Please. So yes, back in please. 2015, you know, we had a vacancy right here in Charlottetown of, of over 7%. And, uh, and you can see year right. by year, the mm-hmm. trends of, of building uh, versus not building. So it used to be almost a three year trend that, that, you know, you'd have construction go go through the roof, and then it would just die off uh, for three years. And then three years later, it'd go up again. In 2015 is when when the Liberal government at the time had a plan to uh, you know a fairly aggressive plan for return home workers from Alberta. So mm-hmm. there was a plan in place to bring you know uh, I'll say Islanders back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also through PMP, right, a big push for immigration. Mm-hmm. So we went from a population growth, I believe, on the island. I think the number I saw was 125 people in 2014 to close to 2,700 in 2015. Right. And, then, and then year after year, just because the liberal government used, you know, the immigration path, which is great, mm-hmm. to spark the economy, which was important, it, it was kind of year after year after year, Prince Edward Island had the highest growth rate per capita across Canada. I think it was four or five years straight. Oh, wow. Yeah. So again, we went from a population, I mean, you've probably seen it of 135,000 people roughly to now, you know, we're, we're over 160. We're over 160 now. eh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and most of those, and most of those through, I'll say, you know, um, I followed the PMP program immigration to come, uh, the retention rate is, is about 38%, but most of the people upwards of 90% resided in the Charlottetown greater area. Right. So as the, as the years went on and I was chair of planning at the time, you could quickly see that the, the vacancy rate was, was going down pretty quickly Yeah, and you know, no one knew what to expect. So the vacancy rate ended up going from a 7% even higher, uh, you know, in 2019, it was, I think it was pretty much zero. Right. So all of a sudden there was this huge demand for builds. Yeah. And again, we, you know, the unintended consequences of a strong economy and population growth is is that shortage of houses, healthcare, mm-hmm. overcrowded schools, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So we're seeing that now, mm-hmm. and um, and now we're trying to play catch up. But but PEI is still a destination that people right. wanted 
want to choose. The people love PEI. They want to come here. Yeah. COVID hit and people now, you know, they found out that they can work from, from home. Yeah. So, you know, they had a, they may have a 10 year plan down the, you know, down the road to move from Ontario to PEI. Yeah. Uh, when they retired, but all of a sudden because of COVID, you know, they had an option maybe to work from home. Right. So you saw a lot of the younger people mm-hmm. move back home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the, uh, in what we've seen in the last couple of years, the, the crazy market. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were selling their homes in Ontario where the market was strong and they were moving here. And yeah. uh, it was a, it was a crazy two years. So what about now? So again, we, we all know about the interest rates. We all mm. know about the inflation. Um, we all know about, you know, the recession talk, you know, it's, you know, what's going to happen. So with all that, you know, it's, it's definitely slowed down uh, mm. quite substantially. Mm. Um, you know, I read an article, I think it was a couple of days ago that talked about, you know, the 40%, it's slowed down, uh, really? which is significant. The, the, that would 40% in volume of sales? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially homes from 500,000 to a million dollars. That was, okay. that's the, the biggest difference. Right. Um, there's still a pent up demand for anything under 500,000. Cause you do have your first time home buyers. You still have, you know, mm-hmm. people who are looking to downsize, but homes 500 plus, um, that's slowed down considerably. Okay. Yep. And so, uh, uh, with that, um, so the, the transaction volume has decreased, but we still have presumably, um, and I've heard that projected over the next number of years, we're still expecting an influx of, uh, people moving here. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So if you're a home builder, and you don't know what's going to happen with interest rates. And, uh, but you know that there's probably going to be more immigration coming here, but it's very murky as to whether the cost of building materials is going to come down more. If there's a recession or a greater recession, depending on how you define it, um, whether the, uh, whether the housing prices are when you're finished building it is it going to be worth more than it cost you to build um so with this uncertainty driven by largely by interest rates what effect do you expect that to have on new housing starts and considering there's still this growing demand from population growth are we in a recipe for sustained pain in terms of uh the housing situation absolutely i mean again everything's murky right now and and i'm far from an expert in this field but i mean when you look at like i said the the inflation rate you look at the interest rate you know you you start talking about the vacancy rate you said about the new bills then you you know with the government's announcement of freezing um rent increases you know are builders going to be wanting to build you know apartment Mm. complexes things of that nature you know to help with the vacancy rate if they're if, an environment where if they, if they if they can't pay for what they're building, yeah. Um, so you know that that's a big problem because again, that in the rental piece is is what determines the vacancy rate. If those available units or uh, sorry units aren't available, then you don't have the people looking to downsize and move out of their homes now to move into some of the apartments, which could be the seniors. Um, and then there's nothing on the market, right? So you know then then you know they're focusing on 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 builds, if you will, households. Um, but again, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, then you got the planning department at the city of Charlottetown that is just overwhelmed. Mm. They can't move permits fast enough yeah. um, to keep up with, uh, because they're short staff. 
and um, right. it's just it's just a pile of, of of things that that I don't think you know the general public you know fully understands sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, I just talked to the chair or the uh, manager of planning today, and we have a planner leaving, uh, another planner leaving tomorrow. Oh wow, are they run they're, down? They're, they're three exhausted? short. They're three planners short. Three planners short. So there's just an example of, you know, oh, wow. even, even if, if the want is there, we know the needs there, Yeah, you know, it's, it's question is, is, can we, can we get the paperwork done fast enough? Can we get the permits done fast enough right. out the door for some of these projects to start? That way they have completion dates that are meaningful. Right. So, you know, it just, it's just, just a trickle down effect to everything. Whenever I was doing that research and I was talking to you about potentially being involved in a development myself, um, there was... Prior to that, the federal liberal government had announced a lot of funding from CMHC um, to uh, encourage um, more development of affordable housing. Um, Since that time, I haven't been following it as closely. Has that been making its way to the island? And you know something, I'm like you, um, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I know that the the provincial government, um, Mm. you know, I think they're they're taking avenues to try to help with the affordable housing piece. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, as the population continues to grow, mm. um, I just think that our housing situation just becomes more, more dire. I mean, the interest yeah. rates, I mean, sorry, the, the housing costs, I mean, it went from, you know, three years ago from being you know, really, really low yeah. to, you know, bungalows now going for 350 to $400,000. Oh, easy. You know, yeah. as, as a, as a first time home buyer, that, that's that's tough yeah right so you know some people no longer can afford the mortgage payment mm-hmm. um they can't renew it because they can't afford it um rents have gone up through the roof mm-hmm. uh you know so people you know the homeless situation has has gotten has gotten stronger yeah and bigger affordable housing same same they all go kind of hand in hand do you think that is hand in hand uh, because i mean i don't want to dive necessarily too deep into the homeless nope. thing because it's a uh it's a really complicated topic. It is. And there is, um, there's always that mix of different influences that is bringing someone into that condition. And, um, um, so do you think that there is, uh, and maybe this is just an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think there's a direct correlation? How, what percentage of the direct correlation do you think is of people who are say, uh, people who are working, who w- want to work, uh, who uh, who can't find a place to live, who are homeless. Um, uh, it, how? What bigger percentage of it is that versus, say, other reasons? So, so the, I guess the the percentage that I've heard um, when it comes to people who uh, maybe this is a better way of putting it that need help around the affordable housing piece. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard, I heard the percentage of anywhere between 15 to 20% of right. our, of our, of our public is susceptible, um, that they're needing the help that, you know, with the, the rent increases that mm-hmm. they had announced yeah. of 10%, they were talking about this, this 20% of the population, um, mm-hmm. needing, needing assistance of some capacity. Right. And then again, it's and just, the assistance is there available for them from the provincial government, right? It is. Well, yeah. they, they, the province chose a different, a different route. They mm-hmm. chose to freeze the rents right. um, and help subsidize with packages to the landlords and builders, right. as opposed to kind of focusing on the 20%. I mean, the, you know, I don't have to agree or disagree. I mean, they, right. they, they chose their path and yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's yeah, why, why was there such a discrepancy there? Like, I mean, this is like, there's so much emotion and, 
um, like it's it's really hard for me to kind of have firm opinions around some of these things because there's so many different forces at play. But there seems like such a big discrepancy between Iraq's proposed increase and the the provincial government's response to it. Like it wasn't a middle ground. I, I think it was a surprise to the province. I think it was a surprise to everybody. And I mean, the, the only people I don't think it was a surprise to was the landlords and the developers who, you know, have, have talked about this for years, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about the expenses of building, mm-hmm. uh, talking about, you know, the expense of just kind of maintenance of some of these, uh, some of the units they have. Mm. Um, you know, the last thing we want to do is see, you know, slum lords, and the last thing we want to do is see, you know, unsafe decrepit buildings yeah. because you have someone who doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think we've gotten away from that a lot, Yeah. but there's a cost associated to doing so. And we, and we see the cost of materials. And mm. so, you know, I think from, from their sides and my conversations with developers and landlords was, was the fact that, you know, they, they said that it should have been increased, you know, over the years, you'd be at 2%, 2%, 2%, whatever. Yeah. As opposed to the, the 1%, 1% one, or, and then yeah. hit with a 10%. Right. That's, that's a pretty catastrophic number. Especially yeah. Especially like when you, you, if you index, index it to an inflation or something, it would be very different. Huge. Yeah. And then there's also, um, the issue of, um, a lot of the people who are kind of the more established landlords who are kind of more professional and know what they're doing. They tend to sort of stay with, uh, with that Iraq number where say more inexperienced landlords or, or people who just don't want to comply or people that don't know how the rules work around it, maybe uh, aren't as responsible with how they adjust the, the pricing and maybe actually in like breaking the rules of how that works. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers and I feel like kind of the responsible ones doing it right, getting that 1% increase. Meanwhile, inflation is, much more than that you can imagine how that could get uh get kind of hard to to make it work and you, and you have to think about landlord when you said landlords i mean you're right there there are landlords that that own a lot more than than others there's some that mm-hmm. we consider landlords that may you know be two teachers who have invested in a property in charlottetown mm-hmm. for instance to rent out they might have bought it you know three two you know two three years ago when it was at its max in prices mm-hmm. using that as a retirement fund yeah and all of a sudden now with again with with again the inflation interest rate and everything else all of a sudden it becomes problematic yeah um you know they're they're struggling yeah and they're trying to make sure that ends meet and and again i don't think it, it should be a case of anyone losing money it's not about gouging people but yeah you know when the, the minute you, you start losing money then yeah it's so you, tricky you, you know how business is there's <laughs> often these unintended consequences like often like the the there's like the yin and the yang where it's like there's the sometimes in an effort to do something good you create the exact problem you're trying to fix. It's a really weird situation. And I think it takes people who have kind of the ability to have some degree of empathy with all sides um, without, you know, the point of them having so much empathy that they're not able to act. But then uh, considering the, the reality of how do we keep development happening? Because if you have a surplus of housing, for example, then the least appealing places have a hard time finding renters. Correct. And then if they can't find renters, you know what they have to do. They have to increase the or decrease their, their prices. Yep. And so if, you, but we're just so far behind that, that it's, it's just kind of like, okay, well let's find some other solution to this. And then we're kind of, uh, we're sort of 
clunkily, like in a clunky way, sort of going in and being like, okay, here's what we're doing to everyone. Here's what we're turning on. Here's what we're turning off. Let's hope this works. Um, there's a lot of layers. There are a lot of things that you can miss in these big overarching decisions that affect everyone. But I think that's where we're at. I think, yeah. I think unfortunately, and, and like you said, it, it sucks. Um, yeah. There's no other way of putting it. I mean, it was, it was kind of like I related back to COVID. I mean, it was, you know, how do you react? How do you deal with it? How do you, how long is this going to happen? So many question marks, mm. you know, you, you think about the housing market, you know, vacancy rate, you know, you think about the planning department being short staffed and you think about the interest inflation, um, all these things go in and, and, you know, you, no one wants to sit idle, mm-hmm. but what's, what's the right answer and, yeah. and what's, you know, what's too much versus mm. not enough. And, and trying to find that balance, I think, is the, is the tough part. So, you know, I mean, you know, do I agree with everything being done? I don't have to agree. It, it, I don't know if it's right or wrong. Right. I don't, I don't think anyone does. Yeah. Right. I think people are just trying to react. Mm. And I think that's maybe, maybe that's the best way to determine is that I think everyone is so reactionary right now mm. as opposed to having a plan because I don't think yeah. anybody could plan for this because it happened so quickly. I mean, yeah. we're talking well, since June to varying. Oh, since June. Oh, well, definitely. You know, I'm just talking about the interest rates. Yeah, exactly. Right? How, how do you react to that? Did people see it coming? No. Right. So if you didn't, how could you ever plan that this was going to happen? Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, there's so much there. Did, did you ever look into uh, housing co-ops at all? Did you ever have any contact with people developing those at all? We didn't. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't personally. Yeah, you didn't yeah. personally. Okay. Yeah. I went to a meeting uh, recently on them and it was it's kind of interesting yes. i mean it's sort of a, a funny it's a challenging thing but i think it's a it's a fun thing to bring into the conversation the challenge being that since there's no one uh necessarily who owns it afterwards so has the sort of financial incentive to like put in the incredible amount of work it takes to build something yep there seems to be a void of uh of initiative and leadership there because there really is opportunity. I remember when I was looking at that CMHC funding for, for construction and, and that kind of thing, the, the subsidies were by far the biggest for, uh, kind of, uh, nonprofits, co-ops, um, yep. uh, I think municipalities too, actually, maybe, um, but, but co-ops were right in there as at the mm-hmm. highest level. Um, so, uh, but yeah, if you didn't have too much uh, it, with that, but that, there's a, a variety of other benefits I learned about co-ops. I'll just say just since I'm talking about it, one yep. of which is kind of interesting. You can actually, the members of the co-op can decide who comes in where typically you're sort of uh, constrained by or constrained or it's it's smart in a way that there's these IRAC restrictions and these housing restrictions as to you can't discriminate all these different things you actually in a co-op you can decide who your neighbors are and that kind of thing there's a, a variety of interesting things so. which, which is crazy that that would trump some of the uh you know some it of, is some of the things that the courts kind of hand it down you yeah. know, just around discrimination and, and things of that nature yeah. you know, and the definition of family yeah it's and, actually kind of dodgy in a way what what could happen with that yeah i would i would certainly be suspect you know to the yeah. to them being you know um yeah, and I don't know how much it actually trumps, and how much of that was the the uh, the presenter's opinion yeah, yeah. and my in my impression of the presenter's opinion. Um, I I doubt you could discriminate based on say race or gender or things like that, or I I would assume not. But our biggest one is def- definition of family. That's the biggest one right now that we that that I think Supreme Court of Canada toils with is just the definition of what is family because you know in the fire code. And in bylaws, you say that, you know, occupancy of a home can be only done by X amount of family members, whatever. But then the 
what's the definition of family? Right. It's, it's very different. It is people and, and rightfully so. Right. Yeah. So that's that, you know, that, that in itself is, is a, is a big kettle of fish that I don't think that anyone really has delved into. And I know that. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I dealt with it when I was at the, uh, the planning board, cause we have a lot of homes around Prince Edward Island that you see, uh, multiple families yeah. mo- moving into, into a single dwelling. Yeah. And, and where it's like, you got, you know, you know, 15 people living in a space designed for four. <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah. then, the, you know, the question then becomes is when you start to read through some of the bylaws and maybe some of the fire code, then really it, it says, you know, only four different families can occupy the home. But then really, what is the definition of a family? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, it's what it like, and it, it's, it's someone who you, yeah. The minute you start trying to define family, then you're, you're teetering on, on the whole discrimination. Oh yeah. And you're right? also kind of messing with something that like, how does anyone have the right to define that for someone else? That's tricky. Very challenging. Yeah. Very challenging. And this is what, you know, governments, municipalities, you know, they, they deal with on a, on a daily basis. Right. And there right? probably is like some kind of some precedence in terms of court cases and things like that. There's been a it, couple. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because we see them in Charlottetown. We see, yeah. you know, we see some of these homes that, that I'll, I'll, I'll say that people refer to them as boarding homes. Yeah. Um, and they have a lot of the same, same, I'll say, you know, details of a boarding home. Mm-hmm. Maybe but, individual but locks and doors, like things like that. Yeah, but, that's that's no. what defines a boarding house, really. But so so in some of these homes, they don't have that because again, it's it's not. It's it's more of a family. Yeah, home. Yeah, totally. Right? But again, define family. Define family. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> so, okay. anyways, yeah. it's just we're getting off topic no, here a little no, bit. This but this is it's, really good. <laughs> like this is. I think it's it's so nice to be able to have these conversations because I think uh, I think often. Um, in kind of online discourse and stuff, it's kind of like someone makes says a tweet or a post or a comment, yeah. Uh, versus taking the time to flesh out these kind of different ideas and and uh, but I think uh, uh, we can come back to some of this type of stuff if you yep. want. But I think it would uh, another kind of area that I wouldn't mind talking about, and maybe this is more boring for the audience. I'm not sure, but I know there's a lot of kind of sort of large scale development plans for Charlottetown in yep. terms of the way the different areas of the city are going to be developed and stuff like that. And I know you were right in there looking at that for a while. Like for example, the big plan for the whole kind of Hillsborough area there, is that still kind of going, do you know, like if that, if there's still talk of that new rink, like there's a lot of things that I'm not up to speed on that you would be like, yeah. just like old hat for you. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear you talk about, yeah, some of these different big plans, um, whether it be kind of the, what was that called? The Hillsborough waterfront development plan yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. The, yeah. The waterfront plan, the waterfront yeah. plan. And then, um, and then I think it'd be also cool and you can kind of, you know, pick which of these you'd sure. rather kind of dive into, but where, uh, where the big areas for increases in housing density yep. are. Yep. Sure. So, so I'll start with the rink. So I don't, I don't think the rink is, is something that's in, you know, I'll say the, the near future. It's okay. Uh, we, we went down that road um, and uh, the cost just started growing when, when at the time council mm. couldn't make a decision on, on what direction they wanted to take. Yeah. And an $85 million project became, you know, $130 million project mm. just based on costs. Mm. Um, so anyways, we, uh, we knew we had to replace a aging facility at Simmons and, mm. uh, and that's kind of where we, we focused on for now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, what the future councils uh, decide what they want to do and, and resurrect that plan. That's, uh, that's totally up to them. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be expensive. Yeah. But, you know, as for the, as for the Eastern Gateway plan, 
I think mm. is what is is the is Eastern the, Gateway yeah, plan. Yeah. So that's just a guiding document. I mean, this this document when it was put in place um, a number of years ago, I believe it was my first year at council that I think we uh, we did it. That sounds about right. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yep. Yep. So uh, it was worked on prior to, mm-hmm. um, but we just kind of you know never got it off the runway. We came in, we uh, we did the Eastern Gateway plan, and we uh, we did the East Royalty Master Plan, mm. as well as two big developments. Mm. One, one's a development plan, one's more of a guiding guiding document, if mm. you will, to say you know. I always say when you leave the port of Charlottetown as a visitor, yeah, you come out, you're heading down to Water Street, you take a left, and you're welcomed into Charlottetown. Here's historic Charlottetown, restaurants, vibrant life, all the things. Yeah, take a right. You got the you got the waste. Uh, disposal right. plant you got the big oil tanks there's just nothing you got the uh off the smokestacks maritime electric and and, and on and on because yeah. you get into really a kind of an industrial part of the city yeah so the, uh, right on the waterfront right right on the beautiful what could be beautiful waterfront. so you know we looked at we looked at the land um you know that is currently the concert grounds we call in which we only right. held one concert i believe i think it was shania Twain. <laughs> yeah yeah they get but, the they get the the seafood uh the shellfish yeah, festival yeah. there but you can't but, build but there the big yeah because it's on, is it on phil correct yeah. so so what do you do with that what, what do you do with all that park space so you know if the eastern gateway plan it talked about you know potential another anchor park to to that of victoria park so mm. when people go you know and then we, there was a plan you know to put a beach in there and i know mm. people couldn't see it but the, the the quality of the water is actually is actually pretty good, mm. and, you know, and, and uh, it was similar to uh, to that of San Francisco. I was in there, I was there for meetings one time, and mm. and they have a beach right in the city. Oh, nice! And uh, and it was used a lot. Oh, that would be pretty nice, right? Yeah. So, um, so you know, all of a sudden, if you if you make that area a bit of a destination, mm. when Maritime Electric, if they ever did leave, yeah, um, that there's a future plan in place to say that that you know you can't you can't put another Maritime Electric there. Yeah. If island fertilizers were to sell and discontinue their building on, on Riverside Drive, yeah. basically saying that you can't put another another island fertilizer there, fertilizer right. plant, yeah. that that was going to be turned into into something different, yeah. something more appealing, mm. and try to eliminate some of that industrial stuff, yeah. you know, along that side, okay, making making cool. it kind of a destination. You know, when mm. there was talks about the rink, that's that's the thing, right? They were talking about building it as a destination. They were talking about putting a hotel, restaurants, mm. creating a kind of a, a different hub. Yeah, if you will, down that at that I feel area. Like that area is actually almost going the opposite direction in a way, but it is. But like so, when you think, like for example, I mean, not just the there's currently kind of a tent village right on the yep. in the intro to town. Yep. But also, um, some of that infrastructure positioning is almost strengthened with, say, the uh, Stratford uh, now uh, also utilizing our uh, uh, waste Island management, and that's not going to change. Yeah, Th- that'll be yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, in for decades to come at least. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was more about creating something, just a, a hub within the city. Which also, I will say, I'm really glad that happened. Yes, <laughs> because it's really nice that there's not those open ponds right on the uh, uh, right in Stratford <laughs> there, right next to the gas station that we we're all used to smelling. You know, when we were on that side of the increase the property value in Stratford, <laughs> I'm sure that whole area around there. And now, oh. the, I mean, they're actually, I think, the potential for that area right there and and then there's also, I mean, Stratford, there's just so much, so many cool things happening in Stratford. Yep, and I think what's going to happen in the duck landing, is that what it's called? Yep. That uh, the Gray Group is working on yep. there. That's like, that sounds like there's some major stuff happening there. So much development that's yeah. happening. You know, not only is like in Stratford is great. I mean, you saw as soon as the ponds were removed, you know, you saw a department building, nice complex go up there right over top of the water. Right. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, to a smelly pond. Yeah. So, you know, 
win-win yeah, totally. uh, on that. But yeah, the Grey Group is doing amazing things in Stratford as well. Um, yeah. it's, it's being developed at a rapid pace. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to Charlottetown, uh, you talked about, you know, what other plans are happening. The East, East Royalty Master Plan, I mean, if you, if you look where the land is, mm-hmm. you know, it's between, I'll say, just short of Winslow. Okay. So between the Sherwood Road and, and leading into Winslow, okay. which you see some development happening oh, now yeah. through that hidden valley. Um, mm, so yeah. that's that's an empty parcel of land that, you know, absolutely needs to be developed, which is. Which is, yeah. Then yeah. you head over to East Royalty and you start looking at uh, some of the land over there. So Montgomery Heights, you look off McCray Drive, you know, those are your biggest parcels of land that, that you know, is being developed. And, and with that, with the plan with that, that is mm. is kind of continuing, like, like, I mean, some of it is like there's a variety of housing densities sort of proposed for those areas, right? Right. So that's, I mean, that's, that's good planning principles, mm-hmm. right? That's, you know, you want, you want to have a variety of housing types. Mm-hmm. And and it was funny, we, we used the excuse, we, some, you know, I'll say residents used to be very critical of some of council's decisions, rightfully so, mm-hmm. uh, where we would stick, you know, an apartment as an infill project into a predominantly R1 neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but the argument that was used by by many of the residents that showed up in support, you know, they used to say, well, when I'm done here at this house, where do I go? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I love the neighborhood. I've been here for 35 years. I love the people in the neighborhood. This is where my friends are. Mm-hmm. But because I can't live in my house anymore, mm-hmm. I have no other options but to move downtown Charlottetown mm-hmm. or somewhere where they don't want to be. Right, yeah. When, they, when they're looking for something a little more quieter or to match their kind of, uh, yeah, kind of quieter neighborhood. No different of. from the, you know, the end of Palmer's Road here, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. same, same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you live in a street where I think the Bevan brothers came with a, with a proposal mm-hmm. for just a different type of housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these type of projects are good. So in East Royalty, the same thing applies. So it's a mix of, of single detached duplexes. You have a sprinkle of apartments in the plan, mm. um, you know, row housing, things mm-hmm. of that nature. So it just gives everyone a variety, one-stop mm-hmm. shopping in that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because again, w- last thing we want to see is, is I'll say Maypoint apartments where you, you know, you solely put everything in one area. So you have, you know, 21 apartment units right. in one area, but then you go over to a neighborhood that has nothing but R1 development. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just, it just, it's not good planning practice. And I think as that goes, uh, you know, further out into the distance, then you can, that's where you can kind of get these urban sprawl type that's a, that's situations exactly. and, and where you have these, you know, incredible differences in terms of quality of life between different areas and bingo urban sprawl is, is the term that we use a lot back in planning. I mean, yeah. the way Charlottetown was built, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it just it bled of urban sprawl. Is there a reason why, um, uh, buildings can only be so tall in Charlottetown is that in downtown, for example, is that, is that mainly to sort of maintain the, t- the character of the community? Yeah, it was, it was, it was to maintain the heritage feel. Okay. Um, yeah. that way we're not, uh, you know, you look at a place like Halifax, for instance. Yeah. You know, they that, really, that's uh, changed dramatically. And, and, and it mm-hmm. took away a lot from their heritage, you yeah. know, now and and Charlottetown is like one side of Argyle street to the other. It's like, they've got the old restaurants and stuff on the other side. And then, and then these towering buildings right beside it. You just imagine like, uh, how long are those little buildings going to yeah. last too? But yeah, it, it's, it's taken away from Halifax's character. I mean, I like mm. Halifax. Mm. It's a, it's a vibrant city. I, mm. I enjoy it. I enjoy that downtown feeling for I me. Do too. I think part of it too, is that uh, not being from Halifax, yeah. I wasn't necessarily as invested in some of those things, but I know, there's a lot of, I hear kind of mixed opinions from local residents of Halifax, but I like that there is kind of a bigger city for me as someone who lives in Charlottetown. I like that there's kind of a bigger city feel only a three and a half hour drive away. So if I want to go and just, 
leave the the really tight knit community of Charlottetown for a little bit, but yep. but not have to fly somewhere and just have a little road trip. Halifax is great for me, uh, but so it's so it's so it's uh, so for me. I I also enjoy that, but but yeah, it ca- it could change the character dramatically of. It- of Charlottetown. It can, but at the same time, I think we need to kind of be a little less protective right now. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think, I don't think raising the building heights, you know, even to seven stories from the five that we currently have right now mm. is going to drastically change the character. You know, right. Um, the aesthetics of Char- downtown Charlottetown mm. and what makes Charlottetown so unique. You just right, got to yeah. make sure that you preserve certain areas and preserve certain buildings. Mm. Um, you know, unlike Halifax where they just kind of buried their heritage, unfortunately, and you have to go looking for it. Right. Um, you know, I, I still think there's a happy medium there. I think there's a solution. And I don't I don't think that we have to be quite as strict. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, we did raise it up one level mm. <laughs> in, okay. in, in my in my term. Oh, yeah, that's uh, congratulations. And that was a battle. Um, yeah. But that was good. Um, do I think it should be, you know, 10 story buildings everywhere? Um, probably not because it does take mm-hmm. away from the character. You look at old Quebec. Right. Um, you know, they, they maintain their heritage. It's very important to them. Mm. And I mean, my, uh, my partner, she, uh, she used to work at the Port of Charlottetown. Right. Yes. And we used to get the numbers from her to say, you know, see, uh, Quebec, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Quebec was the number one port. Right. Uh, port of call because of this. Right. We were so number if you, two. If we were number two. We were number two. Wow. So what's, what's that say? Wow. Yeah. People want to come here. They want to experience it. And then we who live here get to enjoy that. Bingo. Yeah. You know, yeah. So then, how um, are outside of that downtown area? What are the height restrictions? Do you know that that what they, that would be? Yeah, you you can go up a bit higher. Not not much. There's still restrictions in place. I think you're. Is that mainly to make it so, like, say the the view coming in from the distance is different, or is it because of the the nature of our land, or do you know why that is? I I really don't. I yeah. I, I think we should be going higher. And I think uh, I think UPI was the project that I was looking at the most to say. You know, this makes a ton of sense. It looks good, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a way of establishing, you know, to the public as well to say, you know, not so bad. Yeah. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't take away from anything. You not know, there, by, not where it's located there. Right. And, and again, it's kind of on the top of a hill too. So like when right. you're on the other side of, of UPEI, it's not like you have much of a view of downtown anyway. Yep. So we, we should be going higher as, as we move out of town. Yeah. And even, even if you want to take a layered approach yeah, and, and build the city higher that way, you know, in East Royalty, if you put a you know, an eight story up in East Royalty, you got beautiful water views. You, right. Yeah. You've got a beautiful water views from anywhere in Charlottetown from eight stories. That's true. No matter where you're from. Oh, wow. So that increases the value for people. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you could, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's always this dance, right? You're trying to find kind of how you make it so that you have the kind of like the, the least or like sort of drawbacks and the most benefit. Right. So it's like, you're never going to, it's never going to be perfect. You know, yep. But, uh, oh, that's kind of neat, that idea of that kind of layered approach, you know, getting it higher up because but it doing I mean, there's so certain you- places where it wouldn't block, it would hardly block anything at all. You could have it just as high as you wanted. And it would, the main downside I can think of is it would be the, the visual focal point could become the visual focal point. So you'd want it to be at least the first one to be kind of cool looking, I feel. <laughs> you know, but-, but that's where I think that you have to make sure that when you have blank canvases of yeah. land that, yeah. that don't impede people's you know way of life or their views or whatever it may be i know no one owns a view but i'm yeah you know if you're if you if you invest in a home and all of a sudden you have a, a nine-story apartment be built in behind you yeah you know that that does, that suck. does suck yeah but if you yeah. do have a but if you do have a blank canvas mm, yeah and you have exactly. nothing you're, in the area you got some farmland with nothing around it why not yeah 
right? Exactly. Why not? So, you know, that's where I think that the, the city, I think, you know, we need to do better. It's like a little nimbleness required for that. That's just a matter yep. like, a, you know, it's like having these general rules, but then it's like, okay, let's look at this individual situation or, or let's expand the rules to allow for when we're in a situation where, you know, there is undeveloped land that's big enough, like... Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the hard part. I mean, I, I again, I sat on council for eight years. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get you get the residents of the area that come and they're concerned. They don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, Traffic. It's, it's ruin their way of life. Um, um, they used to play in that forest area over there. Crowded or, schools. Or crowded schools. Right. I mean, you, put, schools, you, right? you put an eight yeah, story apartment building. To, to, to build a new school. <laughs> Unattended consequences is, is the term mm-hmm. you used earlier. And it's a term that we use a lot. Yeah. Right? Oh, there's always a stance, isn't there? So there's, there's yeah. there has to be a, a long term plan put in place for everything. Yeah, and if not, then again, we're we're seeing it. We're we're seeing the results of, of mm. you know no planning on you know healthcare, um, on schools and things like that. Now you have now we're in a situation where the population grows through the roof. We mm. have all these issues with 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 low vacancy, housing's an issue, and then you have you know mobile units set up at schools. Right. You know who would have thought that who five years thought ago? That five years ago, yeah. Not me. No. No, I'm, and because it wasn't that long ago that that uh, there there people were very concerned about the aging population on PEI, yep. and uh, very concerned of us maintaining a workforce, uh, very concerned about our ability to tend for the elderly, and us not have the workforce to be able to support that. And so that is, I mean that that still may be the case. I'm not sure in terms of those concerns there there being some of them, but. But my impression is, yeah, if we're building new schools, well, that is a sign to me or that we're having to do these additions. That's a sign to me that there's there's people at the age where they would have young kids coming in uh, and growing our population. So that is immediate indication. Of, the demographics yeah. of the Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island would change dramatically mm. um, over the years. Mm. And we are attracting the younger people yeah. here, uh, which I think is fantastic. I mean, yeah, Charlottetown yeah. is vibrant. Yeah, um, totally. You know, is it Halifax? No. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if, don't if you asked all the residents of Charlottetown, do you want Halifax? No, and yeah. I, I'm guessing the answer is probably going to be no. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to, you know, land available to the city to develop, um, you know, we're running out. Right. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. you're running the city. You can't, you can't make land. No. So, you know, <laughs> they're, they're going to have to start looking at, at going higher. Right. Um, in order to meet the housing demands mm. and, and the needs of, of, you know, people moving here. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, I mean, a lot. I mean, I feel like there's so many different <laughs> topics here. I want to be sort of co- conscious of time here too, um, but this is this is great stuff. But I think it'd be interesting to think, uh, just like you now working as a realtor um, uh, in your day to day life. So, are you doing a realty full time now? That well, or once you're you're finished as yep, counselor? I am. Yep. Yeah, which is coming right up. In fact, you'll probably no longer be counselor by the time this is episode is released i think two weeks <laughs> okay okay yeah yeah i've got a we've got a backlog of episodes already recorded to go out so then probably not yeah <laughs> well well uh uh i guess given when this will be released congratulations Thank on you. your retirement from from that so now full-time in real estate what do you what do you uh i mean what do you picture your just out of curiosity what you, you picture your day-to-day life being like and uh um, that and or uh, with Sherwood Crossing, for example, um, in this time, like, are you seeing interest in the properties? Are you seeing and and what kind of people are like, uh, like who's buying right now? And yeah, 
any anywhere in there mm. that you want to go anything that caught your caught yeah yeah your sherwood crossing is a beautiful project i mean it was it's been delayed for for a number of months and it's uh, it's unfortunate um now that it's done i mean the it's outstanding the the amount of room in these town homes are yeah yeah second to none is 2350 square feet yeah you, know, you have a finished basement yeah um high-end finishes you know you have custom done shaker style cabinetry it's just they're, they're really high end um, oh yeah and then this like you can just hop right over the grocery store right over to the mall or quick uh yeah. run down mount edward road to downtown so th- the best feedback i got was was from two weeks ago we had the big open house okay where yeah. we had live radio for two days okay. uh, saturday where i was there for six hours Sunday, I was there for four. So we had live radio. Um, we had 280 people uh, okay. roughly come through, come through in the okay. two days. And, right. and so you know, captured f- some interest for sure. 100%. Yeah. You know, it, it absolutely told me who the buyers are going to be and who they weren't. You okay, know, yeah. you know, the feedback for seniors was was not favorable because of the stairs. The stairs, of yeah, course. I noticed that. There's there with it being uh, kind of the two above grade stories plus the finished basement, and yep. then, um, there's a stairs to get in and then there's a back deck area. Right? Yeah. With stairs down. With stairs yeah. Down. Just because yeah. of the slope of the land. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So not real senior friendly when yeah. it comes to that. Um, uh, you know, we looked at, uh, some of the younger people, of course, then it's the expense of the townhouse itself. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're pricey. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're nice and the cost mm. per square foot is low compared to some oh, of the other that's bills. That's right. Yeah. Because it's so large square foot that that's, yeah. I mean, it's not that much over 200, dollars a square foot it's like 262 dollars per square foot okay yeah. which in comparison to to other townhouses and duplexes on the market today that are brand new it's it's quite it's quite affordable expensive yeah relative to those yeah again it's just big it's big so you have to be able to afford that correct yeah right so it's yeah. just a, it's just a unique uh unique townhome that's mm. that's not available really you know in charlottetown right uh, yeah. or really pei for that matter that Which much really room. feels like it could be something for kind of a you know, say a couple who are professionals who are kind of established in their career and want a good place to live. Active living. I mean, you're, mm. like you said, you're right next to the trails. Oh, right next to the trail too. That's right. Like, yeah. Right there. Right you know, there, you, ha- yeah. you have you have all amenities near. You have schools, you have church, you have, you know, I think the... What's the school district for that where they go? Sherwood? I believe it's Sherwood. Yeah, yep. it makes sense. Sherwood so it's, it's right it. there. Yeah, it's yeah. only... it's only. Yeah, that's a good little school too. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, the mall continues to, to grow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the developer Tim Banks is has spent a lot of time and energy in, in kind of revitalizing that mall and he continues to do so. Um, so and then there's the, a superstore and then there's all this stuff yeah. on, right next to that. There's like the, yeah. you know, the, that block that has like, there's the big Canadian yeah. tire yeah. and then there's the, yeah, there's the, uh, like, you know, the price mart, the pet store, the, the, the big, there's a big restaurant there. The, uh, anyway, yeah. A what, what a great, right what, what a great spot for density though. Because you think yeah. you think is you know is that area a desirable location for you know R one housing you know backing really. onto Canadian Tire backing onto probably not yeah what a, what an opportunity to put in density vibrant community area right yeah people that maybe don't need the vehicles you know your walking distance of everything you know it's it that's what it's built around is an active an active lifestyle oh yeah younger, yeah so and, you could be someone oh who wants to use the trail cycling uh, yeah. uh, someone who likes to run yeah oh that's kind of interesting. So, uh, so, so finding that market for it, or like, has that been coming? Have some of the units been selling? Yeah, we've had a couple sold. Right, um, cool. It's it's just tricky. It's the time of year where where oh, and interest rates. Well, the, the interest rates are number one. <laughs> number two again, it's time of year. 
Yeah. It's okay. You know, yeah, we're coming into the mar- to the to the winter. Pe- people people are taking the time off from looking. Mm-hmm. They're getting ready for Christmas. They're getting ready to host families. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of people don't want to have to move and 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 do those type of things during the next. How many units are currently there? There's eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Eighteen. But there's all that land off behind it that's going to be. Yeah. So there's four different developers that own four different big pockets of, of land that okay. lead up to to the to the end, um, you know, to the highway, to the bypass. Okay. Yeah. Well, there is that, uh, you know, across the way, there is that that apartment building yep. there, which is quite lovely. Yep. Um, um, I and they I noticed they've got like the Christmas decor in there and stuff now. Yep. And but uh, okay. Yeah. I think I think you'll see a lot of density in there um, yeah. over the years, and I think that's kind of one of the big projects of Charlottetown. Um, but there, there, you know, there was city of Charlottetown just did the, um, the traffic review yeah. in that area just to be able to kind of establish, you know, what we need to be able to do to, to take away some of the pressure. Mm. You know, if, if this many units go, you know, in these, in, in the rest of the land, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking, we're talking a lot of, a lot of units. I mean, right. I'm talking I guess like going, 12 to 1400 doors. Going over to, uh, say the other side of the uh of royalty crossing yep where it's right uh you know you're right on university avenue going out onto onto highway two there i mean that seems like it can funnel quite a bit of traffic and then onto capitol drive over there but on this side probably is where it's like you know mount edward road will start getting a little maybe busier than is well towers road already that we yeah you know, it's, it's already tough it is you know yeah. you, you try to you know you try to exit out of there you can be there for for five minutes yeah. trying to exit onto Mount Everett Road. It just backs up right down to the mall. Yeah. Um, because that's your only throughway. Yeah. Unless you go to, you know, it's either Belvedere, Towers, or the bypass. Right. Yeah. So it's a matter of of, you know, having some vision and, you know, trying to connect the the road network there to to make sure traffic flows smoothly mm. and ease up, you know, some of the pressure on some of the residents that, that kind of want to invest there and stay there mm. it's a deterrent if if you can't get to your driveway okay wild card this is okay we're going to leap yeah. 10 20 years in the future here yeah. just for fun um do you ever look into the boring company at all what they do who the boring company no they they're uh kind of working on because uh they're working on tunnels tunnel systems okay and so uh they're dramatically reducing the cost of tunneling one of the cool things about tunneling you can go deep down underground and you can have layers upon layers upon layers um, but it's cost preventative. Yep. So they're working on bringing down the cost of tunneling dramatically. So then you could have these sort of under subterrain, uh, pathways that you could, um, you could have basically unlimited amount of, of pathways underground. Now it only works with electric cars, yep. but I think that's where the world is going. Um, and, uh, and so then you could have these points where they come up up anyway it's a little far off into the future in that you know they do have it in in las vegas now if you're yep. down in las vegas check out the uh the boring loop okay. there i will and that yeah. is expanding in las vegas and it's going kind of between convention centers now yep so you and and currently they you're kind of a passenger and they have drivers yeah um um and they're they're working on a new one in florida as well um but that's just kind of getting started and so, but they see this as potentially something that could kind of go like you could eventually, because it'll be, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to do any expropriation. Yeah. It doesn't disturb anything above it. So you like, in terms of like, uh, the, the, the impediments to it, you don't have to acquire a land. Uh, you just need, uh, you know, there, and there's, it can go so deep that you could go like, you could go like a thousand 
highways deep or well, something I was gonna say, like the, that. The question then becomes is how deep can you go? How deep can you go? On right? the island, because again, we, we are an island. So at some point you're, you have to be striking water. Well, the water table has to be. But, but you can go, you can go well below that. Okay. You could go under the, uh, Interesting. You could, go, you could go over to Nova Scotia if you wanted. Like a Montreal tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You could do that. And yeah. it'll be, anyway, this is a bit farther off, but check it. it out. Look up, look up that the boring company. It's pretty interesting. It's one of Elon Musk's sort of uh, <laughs> side hustles. Yeah. Well, we got to start being creative, right? We got to start thinking outside the box. Yeah. You know, and, and figuring out some of these things because, you know, as the population continues to grow, as we started the whole conversation on. Yeah. I mean, we have, we're going to have to start figuring out innovative ways. Um, to be able to still have farmland on PEI and and, uh, and have housing because mm. I don't think the population growth is going away. I think PEI is a destination that people people desire. Um, what do you for mm. someone who sort of wants to is considering buying or selling right now? Um, and with you know a lot of people have a lot of nervousness about that. Like you said, volumes of sales are going down. Like how are you talking with clients about that? Um, whether it be maybe from the buyer's perspective for a minute, you know, um, like how, like, how are, are you having these conversations or maybe it's around the Remax office, these conversations are happening. What are, what are people saying? It, it's difficult. So here, here's the situation that I find the most is that you have, you have, I'll say sellers mm-hmm. who are, are looking at, you know, what was sold the last year mm-hmm. in their neighborhood. So of course, when you go talk to them about listing their house, you know, you're, we're talking today. A lot of them are still talking six months ago, six months ago. So right away, you that's know, hard. You, that's a tough pill. To it is because then you have an inflated, inflated price um, mm-hmm. that did work, but and then late to the dance, the right? It's just then yeah. you have buyers who who know they're watching, they're seeing that the, the prices are coming down. You know, we're having record amount of, of price adjustments mm-hmm. uh, to to the bills or to some of these um, listings. Um, they're watching quite closely because they're saying, okay, well, we know the interest rates going down, we know the inflation is there, we know all that stuff, so we're gonna we're gonna come in much lower. Mm. So that that's where the divide is. So that's you have, tricky. Yeah, it is very tricky. And the number could be quite large. I mean, you could be mm. in a total difference of 20%. Yeah. And when you're talking 20% of $500,000. That's a big chunk. That's, yeah. a, that's a substantial amount to try to close that gap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And especially for something I feel like, like new construction wouldn't have a lot of price elasticity because there's, you know, costs of building it, obviously. Yep. And now for people, one of the thoughts that I had, and I, I just kind of like bouncing these ideas around, one of the thoughts I had was, because the, um, say if you're selling your place yep. and, uh, say if you're someone who's headed for a long time and you have a whole bunch of equity in it, yep. but you're just disappointed by the price, um, that you're going to get out of it. Um, which, I mean, that's a, a unique thing because some people don't have equity once you, once you reduce that price and still might have to move, like there'd be some real tough pills to swallow there. Um, but for the people who have say had their house for a long time, still have a lot of equity in it, but just disappointed with the price they're going to get that cash that you're getting out of it is actually quite valuable on the marketplace right now too. So if you look at what's happening in the stock market where thanks to interest rates, um, the equity prices have dramatically fallen. So if you want to put that to work in the market and if you have the time, because whenever equity prices come down like that, you don't know how low they're going to go. So you might put that all in and it might go down more. You know, there might be a recession, might go down more. But relative to what it was six months ago, it's actually the proportion of the, say, companies you would be buying with that cash is dramatically more. So you can you can get a lot more of the inherent business than you could before. So that cash is actually worth a lot more. So say if you do have to take that tough pill of being like, I'm not getting what I want for my house, you can then redeploy that capital potentially on an acquisition where you're also 
getting a better deal on that price. Yeah. Or you might be able to put that uh, money to work. If Say if you want it super safe, you actually can get higher price on government bonds than you have been able to in the last you know, 10 years yeah. or more than that. Um, uh, since, it, uh, I don't know how long actually, this would be, I actually don't know how long, but a while. <laughs> you um, don't know. <laughs> but, um, or, um, uh, or if you wanted to, uh, to, in, yeah, invest in equities that have dramatically fallen, um, you're, you're getting that for less as well. So I think that's something for people to be aware of too. If they can get cash out of their offer, that cash is also maybe more powerful than it was six months ago yeah but we got to keep in mind too for for sellers you know when they're when they're taking a bit, little bit less now than they would have last year i mean real estate's all about a game of timing clearly mm-hmm. um same as as stocks mm-hmm. i mean you 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 go back four years ago and you could buy a bungalow again for one hundred seventy thousand. yeah no one would have anticipated that your bungalow was worth three hundred and fifty thousand overnight yeah and now you're getting 300 even or something and you feel sad about it but but if it's still you go crazy. back a few years and it's like you have a hundred and thirty thousand you didn't happen to get it right at the very top but it's also like you know being real it's like you're still doing really well provided you 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 bought it before you know right. the very top of the market and yeah. the good thing about it, if you bought it at the very top of the market is you probably paid a lower interest rate right. so your payments are actually probably effectively yep. uh lower which means your kind of cost of living uh is lower the the uh um, you're still paying down equity, you know, at that point in, you know, in my opinion, it feels like it's a waiting game. It is. Yeah. yeah. And then again, like I said, I, I hope, I hope you have this discussion with, uh, with, with your future hosts, uh, mm-hmm. or your future guests mm-hmm. when it comes to the recession, you know, and what the outcomes of a recession, you know, could look like mm-hmm. because that has, you know, profound impact yeah. on buyers and sellers. And, and the question is what's it look like? Yeah. Right. I mean, do you have any gut feelings about this? Do you well, think it's going to happen? Well, I, I don't, serious I, way? It, it's, it's certainly trending that way yeah. from, from what I'm reading. Yeah. And if, you know, if that happens, I mean, you know, absolutely. You'll see the interest rate probably go down. The banks will knock the mortgage rate down. Yeah. But you know, the outcome of the recession could be, you know, pe- you know, people losing jobs, you know, small businesses mm. really hurting. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden then you have, you know, you have people that either need to sell mm-hmm. that are going to sell out of desperation and lose mm. money mm. or you're going to have you know on the other side you're going to have buyers who can't afford to buy because their their employment mm. has changed dramatically mm. so you know the recession who knows who knows what's going to happen i mean it's easy mm. it's easy to say that the interest rates are going to go down and you know we're going to have the same thing happen where you know home value is going to go up mm-hmm. you know but we, we don't know but we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to look like how long yeah. is it going to last yeah so you know those are real discussions that mm. you know that have to take place and and Again, we're in kind of uncharted waters right yeah. now. And actually, oh, I wonder, did I have this here? I actually read a really awesome uh, Jim Rohn, or listened to in the audiobook, a really uh, awesome Jim Rohn quote this morning, which is something along the lines of uh, the success um, that you get from your professional and financial life, or something like this, isn't in some kind of number on paper. It's uh, but it's in the uh, character that you develop. Yeah. And so you imagine all the tests that people might have to face over this next next little while. And if you look at it like a life adventure, like you're the Hobbit and... Uh, and <laughs> Great uh, movie. And, yeah. And Gandalf has just come into your life and says, we're going on an adventure. Yeah. And, and, you, th- and you, you say, okay, well, you know what? This does sound like an adventure. 
And so ultimately you have to decide, you have to decide where you're going to live, how, yep. how you're going to pay for it. Do you want to rent it? Do you want to own it? What do you want to move? And then if it happens, look at your, you're still there. And and if something go, doesn't go the way you want, and maybe maybe the equity prices go down and uh and interest rates go down. Yeah. You paid at the top with the highest interest rate and whatever. Look at you still standing there doing your thing. And I think that uh ultimately with a lot of the kind of fear that can be felt around it, if you do look at it as an adventure and just you just try to do your best, uh you can get through some pretty challenging situations. I think human nature is to persevere. Mm. I think for the most part. Yeah. You know, I think people get handed some bad cards and listen, you know, a ton of empathy and, and for those people, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, those are the people you want to help out. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, I, I think I think we try as a human race to to overcome. Yeah. And and like you said, go on these adventures. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're we're all still here. We're all we've, still we've here. We've all been dealt and bad you know cards what? and and then when uh when something like say health uh you know or you know or you know the loss of someone you you love and you know when these things happen it really does put a lot of the other stuff in perspective so i feel like you know kind of having these conversations with people with buyers or sellers who are trying to navigate these rapid changing times yep and and change it isn't just the it isn't just the actual number, it's the change. It's the change in expectation that um, can, uh, that requires adapting. Um, but that is also the adventure. Um, so, uh, yeah. And that makes our job as realtors even that much more important. Mm. Because again, we, we know, and even though it's, it's uncharted water, mm. you know, we read, we study, we talk to other agents, mm. um, you know, we try to learn. Mm-hmm. As a, as a home buyer or a seller, you know they don't take the time that we would. Well, and, so, and often it's not their profession, so it's, correct. Yeah, so it's up to us to guide them mm-hmm. uh, the best we can, mm-hmm. and uh, and be genuine and be honest and uh, be forthcoming. Um, that's that's key in in today's mm-hmm. in today's yeah. real estate. Yeah, um, you know if if it's all about making the dollar, then the chances are you're you're probably going to fall flat in your face. Right in yeah. this industry, right? You got to make it about them. Yeah, and uh, you know the dollars the dollars are a result of. Yeah. Being good at what you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But it's not about you. It's about them with their it's about them. Home, that you have to make it about them. selling decisions. Have to make it about them. Yeah, of course. Because it's, it's, it's for some people, it's the biggest purchase of their lives. Yeah. For others, it's, you know, you're trying to maximize their equity in the house mm-hmm. or they can, you know, they can do, you know, take their next steps. Yeah. And what they want to do. So that's, that's, yeah. that's on you. Yeah. A lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. The market will dictate what they end up getting, mm-hmm. but it's up to you as a realtor to, to make sure you give the best advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody wants to talk to you, what is the, uh, what is the best way of getting a hold of you? They want it, they're thinking of buying or selling, or they yeah. want to take a look at the Sherwood crossing. Yeah. Just, just give me a call at, uh, my cell 902-388-7031 or, uh, just sat me a, an email at Greg at Greg com. Great. Is there, uh, any, uh, any last message you want to, uh, talk about before we wrap up the conversation or anything that, you know, that you want to, you want to bring up? I, I think this was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think this was awesome. It was Wonderful. nice to be able to kind of delve into my, my past experience as, mm-hmm. uh, as a council and just talk about stuff that's, you know, related to the city and, and mm-hmm. mix it in with some real estate. So, uh, I yeah. certainly appreciate the opportunity. I think it was great. Awesome. Well, such a pleasure, Greg. Thank you so much. Okay, great. 
Thank you for listening to Chattel Fixtures PEI Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, David Cyrus McDonald. If you want to reach out to me for any reason, please visit chattelfixtures.com to find my contact information, show notes, etc. We're currently looking for diverse and interesting guests. If you would like to have a conversation with me or if there is anyone you would like to hear me speak with or have an idea for the show, let me know. Get in touch through the website or tweet at me at Chattel Fixtures. We're currently seeking out relevant sponsors with solid reputations, serving customers, particularly in some way related to the PEI real estate market. If that sounds like you, get in touch with me if you want to support great, positive conversations about real estate happening right here in PEI. Visit chattelfixtures.com to learn more. Be sure to subscribe to Chattel Fixtures PEI Real Estate Podcast and see you in the next episode.